Welcome to Advance Your Art. If you are interested in making money from your art, using your artistic background to your advantage when switching careers, or if you are just plain stuck, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello, welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or if you're just feeling stuck, you've come to the right place. Every week I sit down with a creative entrepreneur to discuss the who, what, and why of their journey. If you like this episode, please remember to subscribe, like, and share it with a friend. Today, I'm sitting down with Doug Patton, award-winning designer, inventor, and product engineer. Doug, hello, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great today and as usual, inspired uh, with waking up to invent and design every day. How are you today? How are you doing? Man, that's your answer is the best answer I've heard in a very long time. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. Not um, again, I don't have as, as a beautiful, succinct answer as you, but I'm I'm doing well. Like it's you know, I'm, I'm cabin feverish and kind of tired of being inside. And uh, other than that, though, you know, it's at least it's a sunny day out today. So it's it's beautiful out there. What um, what part of the world are you in right now? I'm in Southern California, uh, Costa Mesa. We're a couple miles from the beach. And mm-hmm. so it's very much a beach community where we're at. Uh, and um, uh, it, it, you know, every, everything around our area thrives on creativity. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a surfer from way back and the beach and, uh, you know, I, I sail as well. So the whole uh, linkage to ocean and, and uh, uh not to, to start us off and in, in, uh, uh, directly, but uh, the ocean presents like a never-ending force of, of creativity. It's there, it has energy, and all you have to do is harness it, whether you're surfing or sailing, right? Right, right. Oh yeah, I, I, so I'm, I also am, am, so I live on the other coast um, in Salem, Massachusetts, very near to the ocean, and I have the oh. same, same kind of relationship, although I don't, surf because it's really cold but I, I go rowing out in in the water as much as yeah. I possibly can and you're right there's this, this beauty and creativity of just being out there and looking at the water being part of the water um so that's wonderful although now I think I might have to try surfing now <laughs> well you know I think you know it's, it's a great metaphor ocean is it if we metaphorically compare uh, ocean to the uh power of creativity and imagination mm-hmm. it's a force that that is not containable it is, it is never ending, it's powerful. And all one has to do is understand it and, and harness it. And, and that's, a, that's a great uh, uh, jumping off point for uh, uh, possibly uh, um, kind of an inspirational point, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you did. And I would say, this is a completely spontaneous question that you just asked me, this was not planned. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I, I love the spontaneity of, of an interview, so. Yeah, wonderful. So before we go too, too spontaneous, I do want to ask one like a more formed question. For my listeners who are less familiar with your work, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Um, I, uh, on the form, formality of, of the contextual aspect of, of who I am, I have a, a, a degrees in art, industrial design, and engineering, and science. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm an author. I just had a book uh, that's come out that 
documents uh, four decades of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I would define myself as a uh, uh, in, in in the less formal way as as a uh, uh, a spirit that uh, isn't contained by the constraints of of our culture and what uh, our culture says we have to be. Uh, I I view myself as uh, one of my the things I always say that. There's no walls around the human spirit, no barriers to imagination, mm-hmm. no limits to what your creative vision can intuitively sense. That's a, a big, uh, uh, a big uh, sentence, but that is really who I am. I'm someone that every day I have made myself for decades live on the edge purposely mm-hmm. to keep my, uh, my senses alive creatively. Yeah. And that's where I live. Even today, I've created many companies. They make a lot of money. They're in many markets. But I have focused myself in an environment that every morning I wake up challenged to hone my creative spirit. Because to me, that is, that is uh, the greatest gift that God has given me or whoever great spirit you might interpret that mm-hmm. is honing your, your creativity and, and, and the experience of that is really fun. And in my book, I have to mention that, you know, whatever, there's maybe a lot of people listening who are, are creative spirits as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever I would come up with an idea, I would feel good, right? I said, God, I feel better. And in defining the science and, and to validate these things in my book, I found out that uh, a part of your brain releases a dopamine when you're creative, and it's validated. There's many experiments that I don't know exactly how they do it, but they're uh, validated experiments. So we are designed to be creative. That if, if you know, we get dopamine for a lot of different reasons, sex and, and uh, uh, um, uh, alcohol and, and drugs, but creativity yeah. is the same. If we're mm-hmm. creative, uh, we, get, we get high. Mm-hmm. And so I like getting high in creativity. That's who I am. Yeah. So um, anyway, I don't know <laughs> if that's been defined that way to you before. So I hope that doesn't go against the grain of conservatism of what creativity is. But yeah, I mean, so I, I love that. No, it hasn't been described that way. I've, I've heard creativity described as like an idea of, of flow states, but it's the exact same kind of thing. Like you're, you know, you're so in the zone, in if you will, but you're, you know, you're doing, let's say your best work and suddenly the time flies by and it is like being high. I, I, so I absolutely love that. Yeah, there's a reward. There's a yeah. physiological reward to being creative. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the best uh, 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 drug in the world. And I, I, you know, I, I don't use drugs anymore. Um, maybe in the Haight-Ashbury district when I grew up uh, a little bit, but now it's all, it's all on creativity and what you can do with yourself naturally. Yeah. So I'm interested in your, let's say in your early days. So obviously you're, again, a creative person. What initially made you want to focus that creativity in industrial design or just design in general? Well, I was always uh, 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 a square peg in a round hole my whole life. Um, uh, You know, I was in high school, I was called like the jock geek. I was Mm -hmm. like a football guy, but I spent, uh, I actually spent uh, two weeks in the art department without going to any other classes. Mm-hmm. And my art teacher defended me to the principal, and uh, uh, because he said that he was this, you got to let him uh, do his art. I had another guy uh, named Dr. Coulomb, which is actually a measure of electric 
electrical energy. There was a whole electrical uh, building on, on electrical engineering. I'd spend time in there. Mm -hmm. He had a 10-foot Tesla coil in there that would send arcs of, of, of lightning up like 20 feet into the, I mean, it was like an incredible time, right? Yeah. And I could never put the interdisciplinary aspect of my brain together, mm. okay? But then I uh, met an instructor in, in an art class and I was creating a, a kinetic sculpture. And he goes, you should be an industrial designer. I said, what's that? He goes, well, you can, you can do art, you can do marketing, you can do business, you can do science, you can do, and you can design and invent anything you want. I said, and that was like a lightning rod. And um, I, uh, and ever since then, that has been uh, a, an area where you could make it what you want. There's people in industrial design that are just artists, okay? They, they, they draw cars, they, you know, um, there's people that uh, become, work in movies that are amazing, like Sid Mead, one of the great futurists of our time that I had the opportunity to work with on a couple of movies. Um, there are, the people become engineers, they become software designers. So I, Yuri, mm -hmm. um, uh, being someone who always wanted uh, to uh, have my cake and eat it too, wanted to become everyone. Sure. So in the 40, 40 years I've been working, Mm -hmm. I, I do, I've, I've tried to learn all these disciplines and put them together because I, um, that's just the nature of me. So I kind of do a lot of things now with all my companies when I invent. Yeah. So the other part of which I, I uh, find fascinating too, is that, so you, from the early days, you created a company, or at least from what I can tell, just by looking at your LinkedIn and other things, rather than going to work for a larger corporation, you started at least for working for yourself. How did that process turn turn about and and what was that like and why did you decide that you wanted to be the person in in charge and go from well, there I, I i think it was it was uh somewhat um based upon my environment i grew up my dad had his own grading and paving company okay and uh he struck out on his own right out of high school and created uh that and so i was always in an entrepreneurial environment and mm -hmm. I, uh, uh, in, in college, I was hired still as a senior. I worked for a short time for a big design organization, but I, uh, I went in for my first review and I think I put in like 400 hours of overtime and I did, and all these projects were, you know, they, they, they loved my designs and, and I was expecting something grand and they put me through the corporate nuance of you, you get like, you know, 10% raise or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he said, Doug, if you're putting out this much work, you should just work on your own. And I said, yeah, you're right. And <laughs> so I was lucky enough to be, um, how do I say it? Rather uh, 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 right brain and left brain. I love talking to people and mm -hmm. I met someone that uh, allowed me to challenge a big design firm. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a, a CAD CAM computer system. And uh, I, I worked day and night while I was working for the other company. And I presented um, uh, like about 60 ideas. And they had this big room, a big, big uh, like warehouse that they had rented. And I laid them all out. And the competing uh, conventional company had 10 sketches. Mm -hmm. And they gave it, they said, okay, you got the project. I, and from that point, I hired a couple of people and I never looked back. And ever since then, it's been, uh, it's been this energy role uh, yeah. because 
I came, I came from a very poor circumstance in college. I was married young. I had no money. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to play that, that card. But what it did, it motivated me even more because I, all I had was, my, was industrial design. I had nothing else. And uh, it, 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 it positioned me to not be lazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, like I say, still, I try to position myself to stay, to stay on edge. And I'd say anyone creatively, um, um, the most important thing, though, for me, is I needed freedom of thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. In a large organization, you don't have that. And, and right now, I look at freedom of thought as a moral law of creativity, not that I'm a moralist, but I want to use that word, yeah. that, that freedom gives soul to your philosophy, it gives flight to your imagination, and power to your idealistic dreams. And anyone who wants to do anything needs that, that, you know, uh, that moral law to themselves, that freedom of thought cannot be constrained by a mm-hmm. company by organization, by a culture, by, by the linguistic superlatives we see. And anybody who wants to be creative must break out, okay? And, and I'm saying this to your listeners, that you know, they're, they probably listen to a lot of things on, on, uh, on various areas, but I'm trying to already uh, create passion that, that um, there are moral laws of creativity that you must have freedom of thought and never constrain yourself. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) No, I love it. I'm, there's so many ways I can go with this one. I, so I'm, I'm curious on your, on how you decide what project to do next. So you've done so much, you have over 150 patents and design awards and you work with large corporations, you know, now looking back, was there a particular re- way that you made decisions of what company to work with or what project to work with or even what company to start? Or, and if so, like, what was that process like? Well, the process when I was very young in my 20s, when I started my company, it was uh, the goal was to work for every, uh, every possible company that I could. So I, you know, I marketed yeah. and I tried to get as much work and I was very lucky um, to work with some uh, been very lucky. I've worked with the biggest companies in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in that process, I, uh, uh, you create a momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, and, and people, the hardest thing was for people to believe in a young kid that, that was saying that, yeah, I could, I could design this thing for Apple or this thing for McDonald Douglas or this medical surgery thing. Yeah. I just had, I, I, I had confidence that I could do it. And then after I had a little track record, it mm-hmm. grew on its own volition. But, but the most important thing I would say is not any one product I've created is the process, mm-hmm. which is in the Conquering the Chaos of Creativity in the yeah. book. Every, I had, uh, when I started writing my book 10 years ago, I had, or yeah, maybe about eight years ago, I had maybe 20 lab notebooks, Yuri, of, um, uh, of ideas on every time I would do a project, I would write down how I solved it, mm-hmm. right? Or, and I was always interested in how I could make, a, a, a create a solution quicker, how I can define a problem better. And by pushing yourself so hard, um, 
you learn tricks to make your creativity more powerful, yeah. to make your, your visionary um, uh, 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 insight greater. And uh, my book is a relationship to that, all the little things that I have figured out that I'm hoping can help other, other people, um, kindred spirits like me, that, that, that need that boost, whether it's psychological, it's, it's analytical, it's inspirational, whatever that is. So I know I've gone a little off the track, but I always go off the track and come back. And, yeah. and, and so, but that's my point is that okay. uh, in, in creating um, uh, my ideas and choosing them, every, and I will say this, mm -hmm. every, I, every new idea has humanity. And let's just think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Every new idea has humanity. And, and you have to give it the, creative, the creativity, respect, and energy to make it something great. There's no uninspired ideas. There's only uninspired designers. And mm -hmm. I always say to everyone that works with me, mm -hmm. if you believe that what you're doing at that time is the most important thing in the world, it opens up all the possibilities. We have been trained to constrain our thought process. People say, well, this is not that important. I will give it you know, 50% of my effort. Yeah. But when you look at something and you say, this is the most important thing I could be doing, it opens up, it's like a chapter in my book, it opens up tremendous opportunities. And so what I'm kind of redirecting your point in that it's not so much what I chose mm -hmm. to work in, it's what that I chose, whatever I did had to be the most important thing mm. that because it, it is something that we all choose to, to dedicate and envelop our souls and spirits in, in, in creativity. Why should we limit our creativity? Because society says what I'm working on is not important or right. I don't think it's important. Right. So. Right. Right. I probably took that in a different direction, but no, I, I'm a creative guy. So you got to expect that, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I think so. That, I think that's a brilliant distinction on, on, on how you've kind of reframed your thoughts on this. I'm, so I'm, I'm curious in your own designs, there is, you, you have a very, and I don't know if you've like spent, um, well, or how this, like this type of, let's say your like signature look developed, but there is an elegance to your designs that I see oh. repeated multiple times. What does good design mean to you? I love this question. Thank you. I, <laughs> I love this question. That is a brilliant. I don't know if I could, I can respect the question with my answer. <laughs> I'll be thinking about this question for days. Um, sure. And I, I love the question. Um, yeah, I have developed the style uh, uh, to what, what I do mm -hmm. and I could I could talk about this for a few hours because this has been a big part of my life yeah um, if I want to look at it um, in terms of uh, uh, a general thought um, a uh, a design must carry logic and emotion and a lot of people that create designs uh, they look at it analytically Mm -hmm. um, and they solve a utilitarian problem. Or uh, an artist looks at things purely emotional to evoke an emotional response with, you know, like great music or, or, or art. I 
I try to evoke an emotional response um, for the people that would use what I invent. Mm -hmm. And that emotion must be contained inherent in the design formula that you create. And I think most of the things I've done have that. Um, there, but underlying that, that emotional response must be a tremendous amount of logic and, and, and analytics that when, what, uh, like when I paint mm -hmm. or I'm also a musician, you know, when I do that, there's, there's, there's a little bit more emotional simplicity that you're always writing on. But when you're developing, let's say, um, a product for ophthalmic surgery, or you're, you're creating, um, uh, you know, complex products, the doctor still needs an emotional response, needs to feel uh, the instrument, needs to, to uh, be at one with it. And you, mm -hmm. you, you need to understand the user. And for me, what, what underlies my, my creativity, I try to get into the, sh the, the shoes of whoever might be using what I'm doing, whether mm -hmm. it's like, like a mouse or it's a, a pen or, uh, or a complex surgical instrument. Mm -hmm. it's, you have to look back at the people that use it and embrace their problems, embrace their, their needs. And, and, uh, but the style, the design style, um, I love uh, minimalism. I think mi minimalism carries a, a tremendous, tremendous power mm -hmm. in, in design. And um, it, it, to my mind, it is like what I call like the essence of boldness is that um, uh, uh, great ideas are derived from minimalism mm -hmm. and the essence of, of a concept. And uh, it, it is important to, to think about how one inspiration is beautiful forms of nature. Um, that is that is a, a, an inspiring thing, like an egg, a, you know, a, a perfect shape, um, uh, uh, you know, or or like you know, there's so many things in nature that are incredibly inspiring. But but minimalism must harness a powerful concept and extricate the essence of the idea. This is a fundamental process that. I believe achieves revolutionary creativity. And I could go much more, I could talk an hour about how minimalism is such a, a powerful, a powerful force, but it, it, it is, uh, um, it's like a Zen-like harmony and peace. Mm -hmm. And I try to achieve that in the designs, but I have to cut myself off because all <laughs> I'll talk about is, is minimalism and, yeah. and uh, the, emo there's emotion in that, you know, it's not, most people think minimalism is, is analytical and boring. Minimalism mm -hmm. must have great emotion. Yeah. So with that, when you're looking at a design and, and you're, you know, deciding on, like on, on the elements need to be there, at what point do you know that you've got it? Is it a, an emotional response to you? Is it an analytical response, combination of both? But like, what's that moment when you're like, this is, this is the design. It doesn't, like, I can't take away anything else and I shouldn't add anything more. This is the design. That, that is how you think. I don't know if I could uh, uh, respect your questions with the best answers, but it's like this. Um, it's like an emotional release. It provides like falling into a soft bed after a hard day's work. Yeah. Okay. If you created something that gives you that feeling, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's kind of like uh, um, uh, a technological expression of nature's simplicity that that gives you harmony in, in the same way 
that a spring, a beautiful spring day does. Mm -hmm. Now, one, a lot of my cohort industrial designers uh, look at this much more analytical and they mm -hmm. just create a design. Yeah. But for me, I must achieve emotionalism. I must have it because too much of my, think about this right now. In our world today, Yuri, 98% um, of what most of us experience are human-made products, okay? Very few of us have the, the, the wonderful escape of walking into a forest and living into a forest for uh, a day, right? We, we go off on vacations. So everything that we, everyone who's, who's listening right now, look around you, look at all the products, the furniture and the environment. There are, there are incredible frustrations that have been built into your environment that you're, you may not even be aware of uh, consciously mm -hmm. that are affecting you. It is a, a goal for, uh, uh, for us as, as creative spirits to, replace the energy and serenity of, of nature into our overall um, world. And a lot, of, a lot of the people like in business, they won't admit that. They think they're tough and they're impersonal and they're looking at, at a product. This is a computer. This is like, you know, this is that, this is this, but it's our job to not forget our humanity, Yuri. We must have our humanity in our world. We, We've, we're a reflection right now of a mechanistic technology that makes us wrap around. It should be, that's the, 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 the cart in front of the horse. The technology of, 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 of the world needs to wrap around how we need to feel as humans. And that's, our, that's my job, right? Every time I design something. And it is, I admit, it is an uphill battle because it, it, there's a never ending uh, a catharsis of, of frustration and everything that's created. So there, there needs to be a, a billion more creative spirits fighting this, this battle. And I, I have to say one other thing in my, in my book, I talk about uh, these techniques as weapons of creative survival, mm -hmm. um, that it is a battle against the status quo. The, battle, the status quo of society resists change. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it makes it impossible for innovation to happen. And, uh, we have to fight that battle every day. And um, so I, I don't want to say this is a call to arms. Um, it's a call to, to a Zen-like peace state where you simply innovate. Oh, I, I love that. And I mean, in a, in a way, I mean, you've, you've nailed it in that you're right. Like in the room I'm in, this is not, I didn't set up this room, but I, I'm, I'm sitting in it momentarily. Um, and there's, a, there's objects all around me and they have been designed by somebody. And and I do not feel very peaceful in this room right now, but you know, it's important to make sure that the, the items around you are designed and, 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 and cared for. And I, I love your approach on that. I wanna talk about your book. So Conquering the Chaos of Creativity, what made you want to write this book? Well, I was always writing it. Like I said, I had these little lab notebooks from like I graduated from college and I was always interested in how I, I figured things out. It was just a natural proclivity of me. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I decided about 10 years ago, I wanted to write this. So at odd times I start writing. And then about five years ago, I took it seriously. And for the last five years, 
I have been writing full time every time I would wake up. It was kind of like an explorative journey of how I think mm-hmm. and, uh, and then how to document that and how to bring it to the world. But uh, my goal was, uh, you know, like when I was younger, I never had mentors to help me in my creative sojourn, right? I get lost, yeah, uh, horribly lost and um, not in good ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I'm trying to be very open with everyone. Like, you know, in business, no one ever wants to know how I do things or how hard it is. They only want to know my success. Right. That's all that all, all they care about. And um, I remember talking to a psychologist about that. And the psychologist said, no one has ever asked you, uh, you know, how you, how hard it is. And I said, never. Hmm. only wanted to know she says that's the saddest thing she broke out of her how her her kind of like like um uh uh not aggressive psychology personality and she mm-hmm. got emotional she says, it's the saddest thing i've ever heard in my life hmm. and and that's when i was writing my book and i realized okay. that i wanted to show not just the analytical side i want to go to people that are um that are exhausted and are failing and can't move on, okay? Mm-hmm. Or people that, like a lot of creative people, they absorb so much information, they're overwhelmed and they go to drugs to, to handle it, yeah. okay? Uh, I wanna go to people that um, are, uh, are passionate but don't know how to break out of the box that society has put them in. Mm-hmm. My book is, is a call to people that have had problems like me um, learning about creativity. I'm empowered now. I can invent freaking anything. And I've done that from, from uh, uh, new forms of heart surgery to uh, cool little candle products that are like uh, at, at, at Disneyland, like faux flame candles that are all over the world. I mean, you, could, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It, I want to help people. The reason I wrote the book, Yuri, I want to help people that um, would like to empower themselves, whether it is a scientist that wants an analytical method to solve some problem that's in there, whether someone wants to uh, figure out new ways to spark their creativity. But where it really ends up is the chaos of creativity to me is, is, a, is a free place. Yeah. It's like a creative construct that you create. And, the ultimate uh, reader of the book, I've talked to a few people now that have read the full book, mm-hmm. and it's not meant to be that necessarily. It, I've broken it down into six areas of creativity, psychological creativity, imaginative, um, inspirational, philosophical, analytical. And I want people to be able to go into the book and find whatever they feel they need. Um, but the, the basis is everyone has in the chaos of creativity a, a free zone where they could create their own creative construct mm-hmm. unlimited by the cultural linguistics that that contain us and there's this one uh, uh scientific theory to make it real quick sapper warp theorem that we can all we cannot think beyond our own cultural words or linguistics mm. right all creative people try to go beyond that Einstein did it. He would think of symbols and, 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 and music. Yeah. I'm trying to show how people, anyone can do that. Yeah. I love that. I'm 
so I'm, I'm curious um, because you're, you're talking about kind of, I'll say roadblocks that a lot of creatives hit. Fear is a huge one. And, you know, as you're describing the projects you've done, working with, you know, doctors and then, you know, designing um, flames for, for Disney products like that's there, there's probably an element of fear, at least if not in the early, in the early days of when you were coming in these projects re and working through to see if, you know, if this is the right design or project or any of that. How do you think about the concept of fear and how do you push past it in your own life? Mm. That, and these are very good questions. Um, uh, I think um, uh, I, I think uh, fear is uh, fear of failure is um, is a point of discussion, mm -hmm. but another way to look at, at fear uh, or, or, or failure, because it's, if there's fear, it's due to failure. I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah. And failure and success are like yin and yang. They're connected. Right. And I, where I'm going right now is one has to move beyond failure and success that they are a natural aspect of creativity, mm -hmm. right? There's always going to be failure. There's always going to be success. Never be too moved by your great success. Mm -hmm. Never be too moved by your great failure. There will be both. And for the, the, uh, the bold creative spirits, there will be more success and more failure than most people get, right? You have to be chastened. And uh, one of the things that you have to do is uh, um, you need to, to, to believe in what you're doing. The, the task of whatever you're doing, if you have great belief um, in the, the fact that, you know, you can transform, like, let's say you get mentally injured from, from something. You have to believe that you can transform that injury in, into a creative belief. You have to be, uh, you have to be compelled with happiness. You have to, you have to have pragmatism. You have to have all these things. And I, I could go on for, for hours, but the most important part is that, that if you can harness belief, um, uh, uh, exhaustion won't affect you. Mm -hmm. um, fear won't affect you. And it, it unle unleashes a tremendous potential within you is you just have to have have belief in where you're going. And again, that yin and yang of, of is, is very Zen-like of, of failure and success. But you know, I've had incredible success mm -hmm. and I've had devastating failure. Yeah. But now I, it doesn't, either way, they don't bother me as much. Yeah. Because I see it as, as this, um, you know, okay, I'm older now, I see it philosophically as this beautiful cycle of creativity. Mm -hmm. Just like some people in our society, when you're depressed a little bit, um, that's a horrible thing, right? Um, you're, you got to be happy. Like there's someone on a talk show. Yeah. We are never all happy or all depressed. We have to look at like, sometimes when you're depressed, it's when your energy cycles are low and you're getting ready to catapult into a next level. So yeah. you have to respect the cycle is what I'm saying. There's a greater law here mm -hmm. of, of not being moved by, by, uh, um, I, I used to, I, I met a lot of um, the goes to another area when I was younger, I started meditating with this kind of Milton Yanda who ended up being a very 
prolific person. Yeah. And one of the things he would say is you can't be moved by these different extremes, but you have to respect them. Yeah. That's a great way to think about that. Um, so with everything that you have done and experienced over your career, what would you say has been the best advice that you were ever given? Mm. Um, the best advice that I was ever given. Uh, that is that is something that I... Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm just going to go to, uh, um, I don't know if it was a person, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I would say I, I become very philosophical at this point and uh, quote something from the Beatles is love is all you need. Yeah. You know, if I want to be, if I want to have some powerful advice, Mm -hmm. I mean, everything has to come from that, wherever it comes mm -hmm. from you as, as a human. If it comes from anything else, um, uh, but, but there's probably a, a, a hundred or, or hundreds of, of words of advice I've gotten from people mm -hmm. um, uh, directly to me or, or reading books. You know, I used yeah. to be a, a, quite a voracious reader of, of philosophers and, um, and, and very different um, uh, people who have, who have kind of fought the revolutionary goal of creating something new. So to me, it's like the combined amalgamation of, 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 of all, all the thoughts that I've read more than what I've been told. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, Doug, I, I feel like we can go on for, for hours on this one, but, um, I think yeah. we'll, we'll end it there for today. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about your book and your process. Uh, it was wonderful. If the listeners would like to buy your book or, or find out more about what you're working on, where is the best places they can go to do that? Well, they can go to Amazon and, uh, just type in Doug Patton, uh, and they'll see my book or conquering the chaos of creativity. Mm -hmm. I have a website. Um, it's a rather long URL. I have to apologize for it. It's called conqueringthechaosofcreativity.com. And then mm -hmm. if they want to find more about me, they can go to my company website, patentdesign.com, uh, where they can see a lot more about what I've invented if they uh, want to take that course. But there's a, there's a couple uh, directions that they can be taken. But I, I invite everyone to, to try to... Um, uh, if it's if it's not my book, if I'm inspired, I, you know, to me, it, it's 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 stay creative, stay stay uh, passionate about your your pursuit of creativity. I love you. I think my book has a lot of uh, great things to inspire people. But wherever you find it, um, uh, whatever it is, it could it could be um, a, a child getting up and and never crying, just learning to walk and and, and loving that, or it could be a great scientist. Wherever you find creativity, embrace it. That's my message. I love that. Thank you so much, Doug. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I will put those links in the show notes so people can click right through. All right. But again, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate you. You had great questions, Yuri. Thank you much. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you like this episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating, like, and share with a friend. Our theme music is written and mixed by Chicago-based composer Ryan Black of Black Bones Collaborative. To listen to the full catalog of our episodes, go to advanceyourart.com. To see what I'm working on or book a time with me or buy a copy of my book, Be Left Behind, go to yuricataldo.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.